Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Que cosa suchere? Ni hao, pubiet. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. We have a terrific episode for today with a wonderful guest, speed skater from Denmark. Victor Thorup joins the show. Victor currently holds the Danish records in the men's 1,500, 3,000, 5,000, and 10,000 meters and finished fifth at the 2018 Winter Olympics. He describes himself as having ice under his feet, fire in his legs, and gold on his mind, just how he likes it. And he's traveled the world, attempting to become the fastest man on skates and has his sights set on the next Olympics in Beijing. Victor hopes to inspire and prove to everyone that no matter who you are and no matter where you come from, you can succeed if you truly believe in it and if you keep on fighting till you make it. When he was younger, he was the shortest and smallest in his class. However, he realized that in skating, it didn't take height or size to go fast. And when his mom read about a local inline club in the newspapers, he talked him into giving a shot. In a short time, he developed a passion for skating. And at the age of 15, he moved to France to train with eight-time world champion Pascal Bernard. One thing I love about Victor is he's got these amazing fitness videos that he's doing. He's always trying to push himself to be the best athlete he can be. Not just skater, but just to be the best athlete. And with that, he's always using a lot of diverse fitness trainings and attempts to shock his body. It's addicting to watch him. And I was curious to learn more about that from him. We caught up with Victor on a wonderful blue sky evening at his home in Denmark. It was a cozy atmosphere. You could hear the birds twittering. And cozy, a word that he used to describe Denmark. On today's episode, Victor chats about Genesis for his speed skating. He also talks about the challenges of moving to a new country when he was 15. And finally, he shines a light on his current training and how he's preparing for next year's Olympics. Really, really wonderful conversation with Victor. To go along with being a gifted athlete, he has a tremendous personality. And I really appreciated him as a guest. Thrilled for everyone to meet him. So let's go ahead and bring on speed skater from Denmark. Victor Thorpe, and let's learn. You travel quite a bit. Uh, yeah, I'm just home for a week now, which is actually pretty long for me. I think this is the long, the longest period home I'll have um, until after the Olympics. So uh, very cool. <laughs> it's pretty very intense. Cool. Before we start any of the official questions, this is a big week because. So we've got England versus Denmark this week. So how, how, this is this is big for us. So <laughs> how how you feeling right now going into the semis? Um, I don't know anymore. I I mean Denmark has played well, uh, yeah. but I also know that like you guys are in home field and all. It's, <laughs> it's easy, but well, I'll I'll be I'm thinking joking. about you. I'll be thinking about you during the match. <laughs> That's great great timing on that. I know, and I'm, it's been awesome to see how well Denmark has been playing as well. Yeah, it's been gold. They started out terribly. Like they, they had that accident with Ericsson in the first match and then they lost the second and somehow they just bounced back. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty. It's been fun to watch. Growing up, what were the sports and activities that you enjoyed? And, and when was it that you first began training in speed skating? Um, quite early. Uh, mm-hmm. When you say sports that I enjoyed, I would say skating was probably the first sport that I really enjoyed. Uh, what's the first sport I tried out? I, uh, I actually went through a bunch of different sports. I remember playing soccer for a year or two, uh, badminton, swimming, like all the usual things that my parents would drag me through. And, um, even though I'm, I'm a tall dude now, I was quite short, quite tiny when, uh, as a kid. 
and uh, I found inline skating to be a sport where if you knew how to skate, you could be good regardless of your size, of your strength or whatsoever. Um, so that time it suited me quite well. And then I think it was five or six, we started doing uh, like tiny races uh, when we had breaks in school. And um, I was pretty competitive. And then I, I just practiced at home. I, I went for longer and longer skates on my own. I remember doing, like, I, I for sure skated every single day at home yeah. until I reached the point where I was the best in my, in my class. And then my mom read in the newspapers when I was seven that there was a, a pretty new club uh, that just started in my hometown and uh, and signed up for that and then just kept the inline skating got better and better and yeah i don't know i was like really obsessed with the thought of of skating but i don't think it was because i fell in love with skating uh it was just i like being good at things and i like the joy of making progress and i really think uh if i should be honest it could have been any sport if if i had the same like talent or the same chance of of being good i would have pursued almost any sport i think i like that phrase i like being good at things what you said so when was it when was it that you realized i am good at this and you know what olympics are a possibility um well at first i didn't even think about the olympics because i was inline skating and that was or still is not an olympic sport mm-hmm. um i think when i won danish nationals my at the, the first time when i was 12 a coach that I really had faith in and that I I trusted, he told me, like, with this very determined look in his eyes, he was like, if you want, you can be the best at this. And <laughs> and that really, like, that's, that's a conversation I'll never forget. And I think since that point, I've really just, I've done everything that I could to be better at skating, um, which meant that literally the day I, I finished uh, what we call main school, Mm-hmm. Um, when I was 15, I, I moved to France on my own. Um, looking back, that was a pretty, pretty, uh, crazy move, but I knew that Denmark did not have, um, the strength as a skating nation, uh, for me to really get to the highest level. And I had the chance of, of training with Pascal Brian, who is, I think eight times world champion. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took the chance and, uh, I, I moved to France when I was 15. I didn't, didn't speak French at the time. And, uh, I, there was some rough years at first, um, but got better. And, um, I mean, I stayed, stayed in France for four years. I took my high school there and, and got better at skating. When you think about just living in a new country, what are some of your favorite memories from your time in France? I think it was just, I made so many friends there. You met a ton of new people, um, which I've always seen myself as more of an introvert person. Mm-hmm. And being forced to get to know people. Like, I mean, I went there, I had barely any social network. Uh, and yeah, I mean, if, if you don't understand the language uh, spoken in your classroom or at the skating rink, you... Like you learn it and you talk to people because you have to. Yeah. Yeah. Sink or swim. How about, was there anything like food wise or culture wise that 
that you were there and you just were so excited to tell your Danish friends back home, like, gosh, you gotta, you gotta see this that they have in France. That's a good question. Um, I don't know. Maybe some skating related stuff, but okay. I don't think I came back to my, my friends or family like, Oh guys, you gotta hear this. It's, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. No, I was very, I always been very closed in on skating. Um, and I mean that skating has determined my entire life. Cause then, as soon as I, I tried ice skating, found out I was better at that and then pursued that dream. And that brought me to live in Germany for a year, three years uh, in Norway, two years in the U.S. and now uh, in Russia. So it's been it's been some hell of a roller coaster and it's all been led by by skating. It's all been led by skating and we finished fifth in skating in the 2018 Olympics. So take me back to those games. What are the first memories that, that pop out when you think back to that time? Um, I'd say the big difference, uh, especially for the Olympics or only for the Olympics is that all of a sudden you're not, you're not just representing the, the Danish skating union or skating federation. You're really representing a country and all of a sudden it's not just like skating fans that follow and support. It's really the entire yeah. nation. Yeah. And I felt that in, in a bunch of different ways, you feel a much bigger pressure, um, and but you also feel bigger support, and and that was really nice. That it felt like I was also for the first time, uh, even though I mean, sport is a to some extent a pretty egoistic thing. You always you do it for yourself. You put yourself first. It's, I mean, you're the product. You're the whether it's a success or a failure, it all comes down to you. But during the games and after the games, especially, I felt like I actually gave something back. I could, I met people that were moved by by what I did, that were motivated, that felt some sense of, I don't know, like national proud pride or, yeah, kind of kind of like that, which was really nice. And then it was a great experience. I would say for when it comes down to the skating, it was the same thing as usual. I mean, the same, the same 400 meters, the same skaters that I was up against. So that really didn't change much. And especially once you step onto the ice, you're like tunnel vision. You wouldn't, I wouldn't know what country I was in anymore. Yeah. It's all the same track, right? How has your training changed now that you've experienced Olympics? Is there anything that you're doing differently this time around? Um, I mean, a bunch of things. Uh, <laughs> I think if I find myself as a, as an athlete, it would be, very uh very curious and then always looking for new ways to improve so doesn't really have anything to do with the olympics but just every year i i try something new uh like i mentioned before i've, I've been in so many different training groups and every time i i learn some and i figure out what doesn't work for me as well and all all small steps towards being a, a big a bit better um and of course, I'm still learning uh, how to skate because I've only been on ice skates for eight years, which is, is not that many. Yeah. Uh, I mean, everything relative, but yeah. Um, so for sure, doing a lot of things differently. What um, this year, I'll I'll try and like polarize my training even more, so it's either easy or really intense. And one thing that I've struggled with, I would say almost my entire career and I still do to some extent is getting quality training in. Um, and I think this is because I trained a lot on my own, uh, my entire life that I just, whether it's been consciously or subconsciously, I've always 
just really pushed it like mm -hmm. as many hours as possible as hard as possible and and skating is a very technical sport and i have missed out on a lot of quality um and i'm, I'm trying to make up for that yeah one of the things that you said earlier really stuck with me you said that a lot of things have changed because you're curious you're always looking for new things to to get an edge to just to be good at like you said earlier but you like being good at things so your workouts are amazing I've been, I've been watching you on instagram there's a lot of different versatile things going on especially the difference in the training that you do during the winter versus the summer month so now that we're in kind of the off season with more of the summer what's a typical training day like for you now um a classic day would be cycling in the morning and then either inline skate uh either an inline skate session or weightlifting in the afternoon and I would usually do, I mean, the duration of my bike workout would be about three to four hours, 100 kilometers, uh, 70 miles. And either just a long, steady aerobic ride or some, some intervals around thresholds. How do you make sure you're not pushing yourself too hard in, in, in terms of rest and recovery? How do you make sure that you are responsible enough to say, I'm going to dial it back today? Yeah, I'm, I'm terrible at that. Um, <laughs> If it came down to like my own opinion, I'd never be tired. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure I'd, I'd end up overtrained or and or injured. Uh, so I have a coach who is, is kind of holding me back when I need to. And then I am a big fan of all kinds of wearables and like self-tracking devices. So I don't know if you heard of the Whoop. Mm -hmm. uh, I sleep with a Whoop. I measure my resting heart rate, um, the amount of sleep that I get the different heart rate zones if they correspond to my wattage my lap times um and i really hate the thought of of me saying now i should do less or i'm tired now so i try and always put it on the data or something more objective that i can i can relate on and yeah. um and kind of let that adjust my my schedule but then i do really train in very intense blocks, but I also have very, I mean, train hard and rest hard. So for now I have three weeks of training camp where I, I really train two or three times every single day. And then the last, now I'm home in Denmark, the last five days I've had four training sessions that have all been pretty chill. I love that you're focused. You're really focused on detail. You're very meticulous in your planning. How detailed do you get when it comes to planning sleep? Do you have to have nine hours, 10 hours? What is it? You have to have everything right in the way set because you've traveled a lot. So I'm, I got a feeling that you could probably sleep anywhere. Uh, yeah, I'll go with that. No, I'm, uh, I care a lot about my sleep, but I'm also fortunate enough to be like an easy sleeper. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that I really need to be like to fit me is the temperature. Yeah. Um, I can't sleep. If it's too warm, I just can't sleep. But that's basically the only thing I could ever struggle with. So I don't really like my sleep quality is about the same if it's a big, a small, a soft, a hard bed, or um, or if it's bright or dark. Uh, it doesn't really matter a lot to me. But I need the temperature to be uh, comfortable, a little chilly. And then I sleep. Um, I mean, if I get seven hours and 40 minutes, I'm good. Really? I relate to that. The temperature, most important thing. You can't really worry about the darkness out because like you mentioned earlier, the sun is still up yeah. after you go to bed. Earlier, you were talking about when it was the Olympics, you're on the track. You're focused, but you don't really think about what country it is because you're just focused on the track. How do you get to that level? Because that's not easy, getting that focus. So what do you do to keep focused and remain focused throughout training and throughout everything? 
Um, I actually do the opposite. Like I managed to lose focus for a period of time and that kind of allows me or enables me to really be focused at other times. Hmm. Um, so it's, it's a very difficult thing because in theory, your entire life is based on this. Like I know you do a bunch of things in your life, but at the end, your entire, especially for the Olympics, your entire career might just be evaluated on seven minutes. I mean, imagine if you slip after four meters and that's, mm-hmm. well, you wasted a quarter of your life there. Um, so just to get rid of those thoughts, I really try, at least now I do it once a week, where I try and forget about skating completely. Mm-hmm. And even every time I leave the rink, I mean, once you're out of the skating arena, if you've done your recovery rituals and, and eat correctly, sleep well, that's all you can do when you're not training. Yeah. So I, I try and loosen up and forget about skating whenever I'm not skating. And that really helps me to be more in it when I am skating. Um, I'd say even the same goes for this season. Like the second the season is over, I, I know that already now, the second I leave the Olympic Games this year or this winter, I'll be mentally off for three weeks where I'll just eat whatever I want, sleep wherever, however. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll gain as much weight as I can for those three weeks because I know that I'll have a year to be back in shape and, and then I'll, I'll find my focus. So then when it is time for you to have those cheap meals and eat whatever the heck you want, what is it? What are you looking forward to? What's on the mind that you're, you're craving already? Oh, any, any sort of ice cream and anything with white chocolate. Then, okay. uh, <laughs> then I'm good. I love it. I love that. What ways did you adapt your training over the last year with all the cancellations and with the lockdowns and everything? What, what did you do to adapt? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really bad at functioning when I can't control things. So uh, <laughs> obviously that wasn't easy for me. Yeah. Uh, I think my, my like, method to get through it was to readjust and then try and control things again. Hmm. So I... I kind of just settled with the idea that as soon as I knew that there was not going to be I mean, a lot of competitions, there wouldn't be a full World Cup season, I just made a plan that was the Olympic Games. So I kind of ignored a bit what was going on. I didn't do any World Cups last year, even though at the end we ended up only having two World Cups. Um, so that wasn't, wasn't a bad call. Mm-hmm. And just focused on the Olympics because then I knew that that would – I still I had the idea, and I still, I feel pretty confident now that we're going to have the Olympic Games uh, without too much trouble. Um, so since COVID started, I just had my eyes on the Olympics, and and that was it. So I didn't really care that much if we had competitions last winter or and all that. Yeah, difficult year. I know you've been focused on the Olympics, but very turbulent year, probably personally, professionally. So for you, what do you feel is the biggest lesson, life lesson you've learned from the last twelve months? Um, if it doesn't sound like too cheesy and too over philosophical, then uh, I think you just not take anything for granted. I mean, uh, I yes, take it uh, training by training, season by season, because um, yeah, we don't we don't really know. Yeah. Now, before I get chatter, I got a couple travel questions. First of all, let's talk about your home country. For someone visiting Denmark, great country, one of my favorite countries in Europe, for someone visiting Denmark for the first time, what would be your recommendations? Um, I wouldn't say one specific thing. I would just say go to Copenhagen and like walk down random streets. There's okay. so many tiny cafes that are 
minimalistic but incredibly cool um and just yeah walk through Copenhagen take a full day and just walk around there they have some super cozy streets and I mean you'll see why why Danish people are so so cozy it's it's all in the streets of Copenhagen that's a great description I think cozy when I think back to my time there yeah cozy was the best word to describe it you mentioned cozy and it's a great place what's the food order because I gotta say I had one of the best breakfasts I've ever had was in Copenhagen. So for what would be the food order for someone visiting? As boring as it, it sounds, I would go for, uh, we call it smørbrød, which is just open-faced sandwiches. That's what I had. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds boring, but when you see them, it's like you can get an entire meal on a piece of bread there. It's very, uh, they make them look majestic. So uh, it's better than it sounds. I'm so glad you said that because... <laughs> when I when I had that, I I took a picture and I remember saying, like, should I eat this or should I look at it as art? Because it was just, it was like it, it was like contemporary art. It was amazing, but it was fantastic as well. That was probably my most memorable breakfast I ever had. It was just the open faced salmon, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about just travel in general? You've lived in more countries than most people have, and you've traveled all around the world through through skating. Which are the locations? I won't ask your favorite. Not necessarily your favorite, but just which are the locations that left the strongest mark on you emotionally? Um, oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say my, yeah, it's difficult. I feel, I feel very attached to Toulouse in France. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's just because I got there in such an early age. And that was also where I realized I want to do skating, uh, as a profession. And, and then um, I have a lot of good memories there. I kind of like, that's where I became an adult. I like that. And um, and then Utah, Salt Lake City. Yeah. I I made so many great friends there, and I know that if my girlfriend or fiance agrees to go back there, we're gonna go there and spend more time. And I really found it to be the first place in my entire life where all the things I like uh, were possible at the same time. I mean, I could skate there, I could go downtown, be be close to um, like humanity. A lot of skating rinks are somehow <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. I don't know why, but uh, I had such a great social life there and really awesome skating facilities. And it's the closest I've felt to like, being really home and also being able to skate there and have the most normal life you can as a professional athlete, or at least yeah. as an ice skater. Very cool. What surprised you the most about Russia? how close it was to Europe, like geographically, but also culturally speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I mean, I had, I'll admit I had a lot of stereotypes about Russia. Uh, and I don't know why, but when I look at Russian people, it, I feel like they don't smile a lot. (laughs) And for some reason that has changed now that, um, I spend more time there. Mm -hmm. And uh, no, especially if you go to St. Petersburg or Moscow, it's it's much closer to to Europe than I thought it would be. It looks very much like a European, like a Paris or, or, or Vienna or something downtown. Yeah, and, and I like how people are very helpful there. Mm-hmm. They, um, yeah, it's like everybody has this will to help people mm-hmm. for for no reason, just like being helpful. Did you struggle with the names of locations? Because I know when you look on a map and it says something, the names are really long and they're really tough. 
Um, not that in particular. I mean, okay. I struggle with Russian. Nobody speaks English there. Uh, yeah. So that, uh, that's been a big hurdle. And I take Russian classes right now. But, um, I mean, even though I think I speak five or six, langu six languages, this is the first time I, n I have to learn a new alphabet, which is, yeah. is new. That's what's, yeah. But, I mean, it's still, it's, it's a lot easier than being 15 on your own in France. So it's, uh, it's getting better. Yeah. And get your phone that can help you out too. Victor, this has been so cool, man. You've been an awesome guest. I really am looking forward to following your career and, and towards the next Olympics in Beijing. I'll be rooting for you every step of the way. The only time I'm not rooting for you is this Wednesday, England, Denmark. But aside from that, aside from that, I'll be rooting for you every step of the way. How can people stay up to that date? <laughs> How can people stay up to date and follow your journey, especially so they can watch all these amazing training videos that you're doing? How can people follow your career? Um, if they want to see how I'm doing and how everything goes with the Olympics and all, I would suggest uh, my Instagram, Thorup Victor. And if they want to see how I train and, and maybe get some tips and tricks on how to get better, especially at skating, but just training in general, I have a YouTube channel that I try and maintain. I think I made it to 25,000 followers very cool. with very little skills when it comes to editing. So, so that's the... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I would say, uh, I think I start most of my videos by saying uh, professional skater and the most unprofessional YouTuber you've seen. So um, check that out. Yeah, and what's the name of that channel? Uh, Victor Thorpe or Thorpe Victor. Victor, this is great, man. Thank you so much for today. It was a lot of fun, man. You're awesome. Same to you, man. Cheers. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Victor. Be sure to give him a follow on social media. Check out his YouTube channel for all the amazing workouts. And for more information, go to victorthorup.com. Oh, and be sure to send Victor a happy birthday message next week on the 14th of August. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway Show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Adiento. Randall has become like, you know, New York's favorite son. <laughs>